Since the onset of COVID-19, the Social Relief of Distress Grant has provided support to more than 10 million unemployed people who were most vulnerable to the impact of the pandemic. Some people used the money to start businesses. Mr. Tando Makubu from Soweto received 350 grand for seven months last year and saved it to open an ice cream store that now employs four people. Makubu has not been so excited in a long time after hearing his name mentioned during the President's State of the Nation address on Thursday night. It was crazy. I didn't know how to feel. Uh, I usually sleep early, but yesterday I slept a bit late, you see. Lots of my friends were calling me, were texting me, so it was really crazy and tingly and all of those things, you know. So it made me feel like uh, 2022 is really going to be my year, so I'm really excited. Yeah. The bespectacled 30-year-old, dressed in blue jeans and a black t-shirt with an ice cream logo on the front, is a fashion designer by profession, but also loves photography. He left the corporate world around 2018 because he was unhappy and pursued his love of photography by taking photos at events. But when COVID-19 struck with the resultant lockdowns, he was left with no source of income. He then applied for the 350 rand grant. There was a time where I was in a Pinterest, you see, and I saw this ice cream, which was interestingly made, and I was really uh, intrigued by it, and I thought that, uh, let me just bring it to a Soweto. After months of saving, he decided to open Soweto Creamery, an ice cream outlet in Jablani in Soweto. Using his photography skills, he posted some of the ice creams on social media and the response was overwhelming. I never thought that it was going to grow this uh, huge and big. We realized that uh, people were driving from uh, of our places, you know, your four ways, your sense in your Kroger stop. So we decided to invest in chairs so they, they, they can come and relax and enjoy their ice cream rather than driving all the way and only having their, their ice cream emotion. He says the 350 rand grant did work for him and now he employs other people in his business. His phone does not stop ringing from customers to journalists requesting interviews. However, some have criticized the president for this announcement in his speech. One of those is EFF leader Julius Malema. Why would a president come and announce that a person has opened an ice cream store? Mm. That is a report of a counselor. It's not a report of a president. And for a person to now not eat, that money is for uh, surviving. For a person not to eat for nine months because he must open uh, an ice cream store. And it's something that the president comes here and celebrates. Ramaphosa announced that the 350 rand social relief of distressed grant will be extended for another year. Black Sesh says they welcome this. The organization's Huda Abrams Faker. This is the longest extension and we hope that government will use this time productively to put policy measures in place to be able to transition this grant into permanent social assistance for 18 to 59 year olds who are unemployed. Makubu says it is up to an individual what they do with the 350 rent, whether they misuse it or create something out of it like he did. I'm Tsapopakhani in Soweto. 
13 minutes to go before 7 o'clock. Now, let's move the story along. And for more on this, we're joined on the line by Professor of Development, Economics and a Policy Expert at the Nelson Mandela uh, School of Governance at the University of Cape Town, Professor Alan Hirsch. Prof, good morning and welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, Uda, and thanks for inviting me. I, I just want to go back to a very personalized example that I used this morning. My, my hometown of Atlantis was uh, the, the hub of Atlantis diesel engines, uh, Tedlex, Continental China, Rex Trueform, companies like 3M. Uh, m- many of them foreign companies defying sanctions to manufacture here in South Africa. And I'm sure it, in a sense, legitimized a horrid system, political system. And I'm sure there would have been heavy incentives for those companies to be operating here. But they were mass employers in this, in this country who fell away at the dawn of democracy. Your thoughts on, on whether we can, can really strike a balance in South Africa to, to bring investment back to, to become a production and manufacturing hub of, uh, of Africa? Um, yes, we, you know, we have gone through a very rough time. Um, I, I think some of the factors were that the incentives, the very, very big incentives were, were taken away because they were very costly to government. And some of those incentives um, cost you know, the, the cost per worker was more than the workers were even being paid, for example. Um, but, you know, some industries have returned to Atlantis. Um, I think the Hisense factory there is still, is still running. Um, the Western Cape government has focused on green industries in Atlantis. And I think because of the circumstances of recent years where the RAND has been weak mm. and um, competition with the rest of the world has been a little bit easier, Manufacturing industry has come back to a certain extent um, to South Africa, but you know we're a very long way from being a manufacturing hub for Africa. Even though Africa is very important hmm. for for our manufacturing exports. So, so let's look at what government can do. And the president once again said that he's going to try and and minimise the red tape and do whatever he can to create an enabling environment for for production for for small businesses in this country. What what is needed on that side of of the fence? Well, that was a very welcome um, commitment by by the president. Um, so, what, you know, there are a number of areas where small businesses are held back. Um, various kinds of um, uh, responsibilities in relation to um, labor relationships, in responsibility to uh, certain kinds of standards which um, apply to to big companies, which are easy for big companies to achieve, but difficult for small. And if those are carefully removed from small businesses in a way, and the president did say this, you know, in agreement with the social partners, um, because of the, the need for employment creation, then I think we will have a a boom in small businesses. Um, but small businesses won't, uh, in the short term, be the manufacturing hub for yeah. Africa. You know, you've got to be a medium business, uh, at least, to, to begin to get into exporting. But the small businesses can supply the domestic market, like the ice cream factory in, in Soweto, for example. Then, on the other side of the fence, and, and I sit here and we've been asking the question to our listeners this morning, what the natural fits would be for South Africa as far as manufacturing is concerned. Which sectors should we be looking at as as a potential major contributor to, to our economy? Well, I can, I can be quite specific on that because, yes. you know, if we look at our successful exports in Africa, and by the way, Africa 
the other rest of Africa is our most important market for exports. Um, about 40 or 50 percent of our exports go to the rest of Africa. Mm. So the products are machinery and equipment, and that's very often for the kind of industries which we have and the rest of Africa also has, like mining and agriculture. Mm. So those kinds of machinery and equipment. Food. So food is our second biggest export to Africa. That's mostly processed foods that go through our supermarkets. Supermarkets like ShopRite and Pick and Pay are quite widely distributed, especially in Southern Africa. Chemical products, um, stuff produced by Sasol and uh, Foscor and other um, major chemical companies. For for example, again, fertilizer for agriculture is is a very big export. Motor vehicles, um, that includes trucks and buses and especially buckies, um, uh, and, and, a, and a range of others, but also services. We shouldn't forget services. So things like banking, insurance, um, and uh, architecture and engineering services, we supply quite a lot of that to Africa. So the things that we're already doing well are the things to begin to focus on um, you know, as we build up our, our manufacturing sector. Are there areas in your view that remain unexploited? Um, well, yes, I, I'm sure that there are. Um, I, I think that uh, there, there are a number of products which are... Uh, one example, okay, the president mentioned um, clothing and footwear in, in, in his speech. Mm. He talked about the Fashini suit and the, and the shoes. Um, we, do, we don't export a lot of that at the moment, partly because we are not really cost competitive with, um, say, India and, and other parts of the world in those kinds of products. But if we have uh, better skills and better equipment, and um, we do have strong capability in terms of fashion, um, we should be able to export um, a lot more of those more labor-intensive products like uh, clothing um, to the rest of Africa as well through our retail chains, which are quite strong in the rest of Africa. Now, now let's look at, once again, that enabling environment. When the president talks about a, a, a new social compact and, and his ambition is to, to have something in place within the next 100 days, break it down for the average listener what it is that the president is, is ambitiously announcing here. What, what, what does he want to do? I, th- I think that he's looking for a kind of a deal. You know, I think that if he does agree to um, a long-term form of social relief of distress grant. He wants the, a commitment from labor to, to agree to some flexibility in the labor market, especially for small and medium businesses. He wants business to make a commitment to investing um, in the kinds of products that we can export. Um, and I think that he's, he's looking for a kind of agreement, particularly with labor and business around the kind of commitments that they can make um, to uh, improving the... You know, we've had very, very little investment in South Africa in the last 15 years or so, since about 2008, Mm, mm. um, for different reasons. The global financial crisis, COVID, and poor governance. Um, With better governance, with more consistent um, rules from government, um, we can encourage um, more investment, and but we do need labor and business to pay their part as well. That's a very difficult responsibility that now falls to, to labor, doesn't it? Because this is a labor movement that, that has simply just not accepted that, that there will be a year without an increase, even though they, they've signed up to, to a medium-term agreement around these issues. 
Yeah, I think, you know, they probably need to have certain commitments made towards them as well. You know, it's a, it's a reciprocal process. So everybody, you know, I think that Labour always has claimed, and I think justifiably, that most uh, formerly employed workers are supporting many people, people in their own families and people outside their own families. Now that the uh, Social Relief of Distress Grant is helping with people um, outside of their immediate families, you know, they should, they, they don't, their obligations are a little bit lower, or could be a little bit lower than they were before. They might be, you know, I think that it's important to them that unemployed people are being looked after. And if there's a long-term commitment to look after unemployed people um, who aren't otherwise supported by the um, social grant system, they, they might well um, make commitments to be flexible in other areas. And maybe it's for a certain period of time. Maybe it's three years. Maybe it's five years. Maybe there's a, there's a series of commitments made between the three major social partners that um, the commitment of each of those partners will depend on. And that was Professor of Development Economics and Policy Expert at the Nelson Mandela School of Governance at the University of Cape Town, Professor Alan Hirsch.